Salt and light. Everybody doing well? You're either muffled or you're muffled. Everybody doing well? Good, that's better. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Emily, for leading us out today. This is our first gathering of kind of the fall semester um, for a lot of us coming into September and gearing up for all sorts of things going on in school and life and uh, new seasons job-wise sometimes and that kind of stuff even as well. And so I want to acknowledge that and um, also let you know it's a new season. There's some new things happening uh, within our Salt and Light family as well this, uh, this fall. So Lydia, if you'll hit the next slide for me, here's just a few things for you to know. Um, ben, the other Ben who is just up here, the better Ben, um, is going to be hosting along with Bethany and some others uh, a night called Mixtape uh, where folks who are creative or want to be creative or have been inspired by creativity which is to say everyone on earth um, is going to come together. The whole earth is going to come together in the fourth house um, and, just, and just share either something they created or something that's been impacting for them vis-a-vis um, -vis the mixtapes that people used to make for each other back before Spotify. Um, and then uh, the first gathering of October, we're here for the rest of September, but the first gathering in October, um, we are going to have uh, an opportunity to celebrate baptisms, which we're super excited about, and some child dedications, parent dedications as well. So if you're up for that, um, either one of those things, we have some folks uh, who have signed up to be baptized, which is super exciting, we have some families who have signed up for dedications as well. And if you want to be added to that list, let us know, and we'll be happy to chat with you about that. And then I know that this has been a long time coming for some of you. Some of you felt this deep in your soul. Next week, uh, we have an opportunity for uh, starting to have on a weekly basis, two kids classes for younger uh, kiddos and then for elementary kids. Yeah. Elementary kids, we're going to start doing a once a month gathering just for you during this. And so we love having you in here, and we're going to have you in here for a lot of our gatherings. But once a month, we want to create a time just for you for peer discipleship and, and relationship building and some of that kind of stuff. And so all three of those are going to start next week. Um, toddler class for one and two-year-olds, preschool class for three, four, five-year-olds. Those will be meeting weekly when we gather. Um, uh, and, then, and then the elementary class will meet once a month. We'll communicate those dates, um, but uh, it, it will start next week as well. So we'll have a few, a few less small people in here next week and go from there. Um, and then DNAs, some of you asked about DNAs. We're, we're reforming those over these couple weeks. We've been a little bit slow just trying to watch and pay attention to various size gatherings and, and people's comfort level meeting up together and that kind of stuff. So um, those are coming back together over the course of this week and next. So that's what I know that we have coming up. Anything that, that I'm missing that, that you have questions about? Anything that you know of that I don't? I yes, ma'am. A question. For the mixtape thing, is it, what time is it, and, and is it for adults only? It's a great question. Ben, for the mixtape thing. Uh, it is at uh, 6 o'clock. The address will be in this week's email, and, uh, and it is all ages. So if you are bringing something uh, to share, something beautiful, uh, just make sure that it's not inappropriate for all ages, because uh, people will be in and out of the room. So. All right, 6 o'clock on the... That date, 18th, all ages, address will be announced this week. And we'll have Super Bowl type snacks. Super Bowl type snacks. Okay. So small, intricately decorated football cookies. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, okay, perfect. <laughs> That's what beauty is. That's what beauty is to some people, <laughs> exactly. All right, anything else? Any other questions or thoughts? Okay, then I'm going to pray for us, um, and we're going to jump into a few weeks of considering a, a new topic today out of the book of Acts. So, Father God, you are here. Um, you are the one who heals wounds, God, no matter where they come from. You're the one who uh, promises not just to be with us once those wounds are healed, but you're the one who walks with us in our wounding. Um, and you're the one who was wounded for us, as Ben just reminded us. Um, God, you're the builder of your church. You're the, the, the start of your church. You're the end goal of your church. You're the sustenance and, and, and provision for your church. You are, you are everything. And God, we love you. Um, and, and we pray that you would lead us today as we discuss, as we consider um, who we are, uh, what we're on about. God, would you, uh, would, would you be the source of our thoughts? Would you be the source of our uh, words? Would you be the source of everything? It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so this is our first, oh, you want to do the, the colorful slide? Wow, look at that. We got colors up there today. So this is our first fall together as a church family. Uh, and so today's kind of kicking off Salt and Light's first ever kind of vision series as, as we settle into to new fall and new school year rhythms and that kind of stuff. But as you think of the idea of, of a vision series, there's often kind of two kinds of vision. And one is kind of casting vision for something new. Look ahead, look at something that hasn't existed before. That's, that's the mountain we're gonna take together. The other kind of vision is, is a little bit of refocusing on something that is important. Something you may already know, something that's easy to forget, and it's kind of looking back at what already exists. We're doing the second this fall. So we're not unveiling today some big, new, shiny direction. Um, all we're doing is simply revisiting the mission and values that we've felt and prayed together. Some of us uh, through the summer and last fall together uh, prayed that salt and light would become. We want to pray, to, uh, want to revisit some of that mission and some of those values and, and be reminded together of who we are and what that causes us to do. So that's what we're doing this month. And, and the danger in refocusing on something, even something important, is that it's just familiar to us. Um, it, it, can be, it can be kind of this like, yeah, I've heard this before, or yeah, I, I know that verse, or I've heard this passage, or, or that promise, or this kind of thing. And so I want to invite us over the course of this month just to, to guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus, that we would even be, be willing to step in and guard each other against like, oh, this is just familiar, this is kind of humdrum, this is something that I've already known. And rather, I want to invite us to kind of be introspective this month uh, and, and to be honest and to ask, like, where am I thriving and, and where are we as, as a small new church family thriving as it relates to discipleship and community and mission? Personally, together, where, where are we thriving? And, and then at the same time, where is God inviting us or inviting you, again, personally or together? Where is God inviting us to take a new step as we understand and desire and practice different elements of discipleship and community and mission. And, and, and here's what we're aiming at. We're not aiming at three weeks that's gonna you know, fix everywhere that we're all one degree off or this kind of stuff. Salt and Light really wants to, to embrace a view of life together that is forming and growing to be with Jesus and become like him and do what he did. It's our values that we'll talk about. But, but we want to view that life through like a 40-year lens, not like a three-week lens or not like a four-month lens. It's, it's rare that we can 
kind of microwave spiritual growth. And so we want to want to be patient and, and go like, what is one step that God's inviting us into this, this fall? What's a step or two for you, for your DNA, for us as a community? And so as we gear up for, for this month, like I said, we're reforming DNAs. Um, October and November, just so you know, we're going to be formed together as we consider Jesus's habits of prayer, see how Jesus prayed and, and ask the Spirit if he might kind of help us pray like Jesus prayed. Um, and then even today, we're going to introduce a few commitments that we're going to invite our church to over the course of this school year. But as we do that, as we gear up into this fall, this is just kind of like a three-week health check. Um, and so we're going to celebrate God where he's produced health in you, in your discipleship, in your community, in your mission, in your spirit. Um, and if there's something that's off, um, we want to ask God for help. And so either way, it's a good thing. Uh, if there's a diagnosis, then great. How, how can God provide a remedy? How can we receive help from him and from one another? And so the whole month, we're going to be in the last five verses of Acts chapter 2. So if you want to turn to Acts 2 or pull up Acts chapter 2, it's probably about three quarters of the way through your Bible. If you're new to the scriptures, we're going to be in the last five verses of Acts 2. And in these verses, um, we're going to pray that God would help us marinate on who the church is and what the church is called to do, and most importantly, why. We're going to have a lot of dis discussion this month. We're going to consider together um, how God might help us apply first century ancient Near East principles to 21st century U.S. practices, even if those practices look different. And so that's September. Okay, that's what we're doing. Uh, so I want to start um, by, by reading Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I would love for you to listen through that lens, through, through, this, through this one lens that I'm going to give you. The question is, how did the first ever church in history, because that's, that's who Acts 2 is about, how did the first ever New Testament church in history seek to be with Jesus? In this little snapshot, how did the first century church seek to be with Jesus? And then we'll discuss ways that you heard. So the verses are on the screen, and here's Acts 2, starting in verse 42. You can do the motions again if you want to, because it's the same ones that the kids did a little bit ago. Kids, you want to try this with me again? We'll see if you remember what Miss Emily taught you. And Jack, neither of them are here. Great. Um, <laughs> so they, do you remember? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, like the scroll, and to the fellowship, fist bump, more hugs, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Nicely done. And then we're going to continue. And awe came upon every soul. Make up your own motions for that. And many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread. You want to do the motion again? Breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's talk for a little bit. Uh, if you're new with us, we have a little bit of conversation on some Sundays, and we're going to have some conversation today. So what are some ways that you heard of how, of specific ways that the first century church sought to be with Jesus? What are some ways they did that? They were together. They were together. Good. And certainly God can meet us alone, but a lot of times he speaks to us as community and affirms things that he's teaching us through community. That's good. What else? They studied. Yeah, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll come back to that in a moment. What else did they do 
to, to pursue being with Jesus. They ate and prayed together. Yeah, and, and both together, both of those things. And, and also, sometimes maybe they ate and didn't pray together. And, and that's something that we can miss today, that God's in our midst and that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, we can do it to glorify God. So even eating together is, is an act of worship. What else do they do? They took care of each other's needs. Yeah, we'll come back to that again because that's important. There's a lot of needs that were met. Anything else? And on one hand, you could say that everything they did, they did with Jesus. Is that fair? Like this is something that maybe is a little bit lost to us in kind of our segmented or, or, or bifurcated life, but but, but for a little bit of context, Acts, the book of Acts, is kind of a sequel to, to Luke's gospel. Uh, and so it picks up immediately where Luke's gospel left off. And so Acts, the, the activity in the book of Acts started right after Jesus' resurrection. The disciples see the risen Jesus. And in Acts 1.8, that's kind of the, the famous verse in the first chapter of Acts, we hear Jesus' charge. Anyone know Acts 1.8? Jesus says, go and, and be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We saw this, if you were here this summer, that, that our role in the truest story in the world is still to, to go, to display and to declare the good news of a better kingdom, the good news of Jesus. Acts starts with God sending us out, but before Jesus sends us out, he first tells his disciples, don't go. Before Acts 1.8 is Acts 1.4. It's just math. Um, and Acts 1.4, Jesus tells him, don't leave Jerusalem. Stop. Anyone know what he tells him to do? Wait for, wait for the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 2, the start of the chapter we read a little bit ago, starts with the Spirit descending. They're, they're praying together and the Spirit descends and he fills each follower of Jesus both with spiritual gifts and with new languages. And, and the Spirit empowers the church to carry out Jesus' charge to go. And so then Acts 2, 42 through 47, the verses we're, we're, we're hanging out in for September are just a snapshot or result of, of the first Christians in history experiencing the truth of a promise that Jesus gave before he died. Because Jesus said before he died, it's better that I go because I will send a helper to you. I'll send a Holy Spirit to be your guide. And Jesus says that in John 16. And so again, on one level, what does the early church do to be with Jesus? It, it's, it's everything that they do. And, and I wonder if it's hard for us to see life through that same lens. That everything we do, whatever we put our hands to, whatever we put our minds to, the Spirit of Christ is there with us. I think one of the, one of the probably three biggest growth areas for myself and, and Jess over this past decade has been learning what it looks like to, to walk in the Spirit, starting, I think I would say, starting to learn what it looks like to walk in the Spirit uh, and, and to wait for and hear the, the voice of God and to start to see all of life as an opportunity to, to be with Jesus. We had a friend tell us, he was specifically talking to Jess, and he goes, do you realize, Jess, um, that as you walk through Target, Jesus is with you? Do you realize that every time you sit down to read a magazine, Christ is there? And, and it sounds like, well, that, why would Jesus care about, you know, my couponing? 
but, 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 he, but he's there. There's a, there's a present reality of Jesus that is just kind of so foreign to us. And the early church did everything in the life of the Spirit. Maybe, maybe that alone is, is the invitation that God has for you this month is to go, what does it look like for you to recognize that Jesus is here, that everything we do, we do with Christ? Because on one hand, everything we do is being with Jesus. To say it another way, there's not, there's not like a nook or cranny of your life that Jesus doesn't care about. And I think that's good news. Jesus cares about every little thing you do and think and put your mind to. There's not a minute or, or bit of effort that exists outside of, of his kingdom reign and his care. All of life can be with Jesus. But then on the other hand, verse 42 says that Jesus' first followers devoted themselves to some specific things. Yeah? And devoted is the first big word. I love, I love that, our, that our kids' team gave devoted its own action because that's often skipped and we just immediately move to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking bread. But, but the devotion there is, is, is so often missed, but it's key to the rest of this passage. Like think of, think of devotion. Like there's an intentionality to devotion. There's an effort to devotion, right? Devotion says I'm going to put aside other things and prioritize this thing that matters most. That's what devotion says. This thing matters most to me right now. Jesus's church devoted themselves to things that pointed themselves and pointed each other to Jesus. One book says it like this, if you want to put this up on the screen, the young church, the church in Acts, centered its life on the channels through which the life of the kingdom by the Spirit will emerge. They centered their life on things that brought about the life of the kingdom. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. By these means, the church experienced the life of the kingdom more and more. So those are the first four elements that we see in Acts 2.42, and we're going to spend the rest of the day on one verse. We did like the whole Bible in seven weeks this summer. We're going the other end of the pendulum today and focusing on Acts 2.42. There's loads of things that we can do to devote ourselves to Jesus, to help us be with Jesus, but these are the four in these verses. So, so we're going to dwell on this verse and talk about each element on its own. Go ahead and hit it one more time. So here's the question we're asking. How, how can each of these elements help God's people, both in the ancient Near East and in 21st century Fort Worth, Texas, and every other day and every other place. How, how can these four elements help God's people know Jesus, abide with Jesus, be with Jesus? So we're going to tackle them one at a time. Let's have some discussion today. So apostles' teaching, how can a devotion to the apostles' teaching help us know Jesus, abide with Christ, be with Jesus? Or maybe an alternative question, which is also up here, what's, what's potentially lacking if we neglect this intentional practice? So either way, how, how does this practice help us be with Jesus? What's lacking if we ignore it? What comes to mind? Yes, ma'am. You don't have to raise your hand. That's the second time you've raised your hand. Thank you, though. St uh, Ms. Aguilar. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're learning through other mediums other than the teaching that we would also say is the source, yeah. right? So you're at best learning from some secondary medium. Good. What else? What's either lacking or what's, 
what's helpful about the apostles' teaching? Teaches us Jesus' commands. Yeah, I love that. John, just, I'm going to repeat just for the sake of folks in the back. So, um, yeah, John says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But if we don't know Jesus' commandments, how can we possibly obey him and display our love for him? Good. What else? Primary source of information. Yeah, they come from eyewitnesses. The apostles were the eyewitnesses. And, and that's important because a lot of folks will, will read the words apostles teaching and think, oh, that's my, my, my preacher on a Sunday kind of thing. I'm not an apostle, just for the record. When Matt and Nicole, other folks up here teach, like we're, we, don't, we don't get to claim the authority that the apostles had, right? And, and so we, we try to put in effort. Part of why we want to learn together is because we believe that the Spirit of God brings different insights into different folks. But Sunday teaching does not equal the apostles' teaching. Where's the apostles' teaching found? It, it's, it's in our scriptures. This is what the early church devoted themselves to. Yes, they would gather. Yes, someone would, would lead a discussion and teach. But, but the, same, the same letters that the early church circulated make up our New Testament. A lot of those letters quote uh, verses that are found in, in our Old Testament. The scriptures are our primary source of apostles' teaching today. That's just a healthy distinction for us to be reminded of. Anything else come to mind? What's a, what's a way the apostles' teaches, teaching helps us be with Jesus, or, or what's lacking if we ignore it? Shapes our imagination for kingdom life. Shapes our imagination for kingdom life. What a great phrase. Yeah. It paints a picture of what could be. A lot of times we just need to be reminded of truths we already know. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times we need to be reminded of truths we already know. Maybe every day we need to be reminded of truths we already know multiple times. There's a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing some research for a, a book that I'm writing, and Lydia hit the next slide. I came across this survey. I love the title of it. The title of the survey is Amer Americans are fond of the Bible, but don't actually read it. So there's the survey title. Americans are fond of the Bible, but don't actually read it. And so this is a survey of, of, of over 1,000 Christians who say they do read their Bible. Here's what the results were. 40% um, said the Bible is a book worth reading over and over again. 13% of Christians who read their Bible say it's worth reading once. 22% prefer, I like that word too, just here's my preference on the Bible. 22% um, ref, prefer referencing the Bible on an as-needed basis. And then 5% of Christians who read their Bible say the Bible is not actually a book worth reading at all. And then the other one in five humans say they're not really sure. And so I'd ask, just as, as not a guilt trip, but again, we're trying to be introspective this, this month and ask where are we thriving, where are we not thriving, which, which percentage best defines you? One of, one of the blessings of technology and, and Protestant Reformation and things moving away from only being in Latin or in original languages, that there's an increasing number of languages that have access to the Bible. Again, this is part of why we give you some, some scriptures of, of what we're going to be in the following Sunday. Some of you uh, just have asked for, like, what's a good starting point? At least, at least start there. And if you have other plans, then great, do that. Um, but we want to be formed around the apostles' teaching and formed together and then come together to teach and discuss. So again, the goal of saying, hey, it's really important to read your Bible is not legalism or guilt. But again, we're just doing a health check 
And if Jesus is the living water, and if the apostles' teaching is a channel of life in the kingdom, then the Bible is a healthy practice. Let's move on. Lydia, you can go to the next slide. Uh, Fellowship. How does the practice of fellowship point us to Jesus, or what's lacking if we disassociate ourselves from fellowship? And and let me get the ball rolling a little bit here. The the Greek word for fellowship is not kind of the image that a lot of us picture today. Um, Fellowship today or community can be like, I like you until I don't, and then I'll check out kind of stuff. Um, And if you haven't done that, you've at least thought it, right? So um, koinonia. The, the, the Greek word is, is an intimate, ongoing participation. Or if I can say it like this, I love this, this interpretation. It's a co-ownership of something. It's, it, we're, we're taking deep responsibility. It's the deep responsibility that every Christian in the first century church felt for each other's growth and health and thriving. That's what true fellowship is. It's taking responsibility for each other's growth and help, health and thriving. So, so through that lens, what's lacking if we move away from fellowship? How, how can that kind of fellowship point us to Jesus? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, we can't meet needs if we don't know the people and if they don't express their needs. Right. I added that last part, sorry. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're isolated, no, nobody can point out your blind spots, which we all have. I'm happy to tell you yours later. Just kidding. No, but I mean, th- that's just it. Like, we all have them. How can we possibly know them if we're never around other people? What else? Not yours. You're perfect. What else? Yeah. Yeah, God exists in in community, Father, Son, Spirit. We're created in his image. It's how we're formed. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Yeah, we get to be sharpened by people who see things, if I can summarize, right? See things a little bit differently. Yeah. We grow. I think one thing that I've thought of recently is um, if, 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 so part of, part, of, part of discipleship is entering into each other's pain, bearing each other's burdens, and rejoicing with each other when we rejoice, right? And, and so there's a very real sense, like, if, if, if I'm not letting someone into my pain or letting someone into my rejoicing, like, somehow in some weird spiritual way, I'm, I'm, I'm disallowing part of not only my discipleship but their discipleship. Does that make sense? Like by, by inviting someone into rejoicing, by offering someone encouragement, like that's, that's, that's a twofer. Like we're both growing in our discipleship. By, by you inviting someone into your pain, that's, that's, that's growing both of you. And I just, that's something I never thought of before. One of the hardest phrases to utter in America is I need, dot, dot, dot. Is that fair? To say I need something says I can't produce or accomplish or achieve or be everything that I think I should be able to accomplish or achieve or produce or be. I can't do it on my own. 
But that's the rally cry of the heart of our faith. Yes, the New Testament church, come together, bring together whatever, whatever you have so that we can all have our needs met. But more than that, like that's, that's what Jesus did for us. I can't, but he did is the rally cry of our faith. So depending on other people reminds us of our dependence on Jesus. Our need for help reminds us of our need for God's help. It's humbling, right? But guess what? Humble is a pretty, pretty biblical posture for us to have, even if it goes against the grain of our culture. It reminds us of a right view of ourselves before God. Because there's some ways that fellowship helps us be with Jesus. What about, what about breaking of bread? How does breaking bread... And there's two sides of this. On one, on one hand, they were just together often. We see that in, a, in another couple of verses. They came together. They, they ate their meals day by day. It was kind of like the potluck we were supposed to have last, last week until it got rained out, but didn't actually get rained out, but it was supposed to get rained out, so we canceled it, and then it was sunny. Um, everybody brought what they had. And if you didn't have anything, you just received. So there were meals together. And then there was the meal together, the meal that we celebrate in every gathering of salt and light, the the breaking of bread, the receiving of the cup. How do both of those things point us to Jesus? What's lacking if we skip out on meals, breaking bread? Guard comes down around the table. table. Yeah. Even to, to go back to literal, like, Army imagery through army imagery through the through the centuries, like people would have to take off their armor and their and lay their weapons outside, and so literal enemies could be at the table together. And there was great risk because what if someone hit a dagger or lightsaber? Yeah, we can worship Jesus in all that we do. Yeah, in preparing in eating and in feasting and enjoying. There's this thing that, that some of you know, like we rehearse with our kids, my own kids, a lot of like every time we eat, we're reminded of needing something to come into us from outside of us to keep us alive. That's, that's Jesus. And so every bite we take is a reminder, can be a reminder. In the simple thing that it is of worship. What else? Jesus did a lot of ministry over meals, yeah. Even with folks he wasn't supposed to eat with. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I love how you said that. Eating with others is an intimate thing with them. Eating the communion meal is an intimate thing with Jesus. Yeah, and it's through that meal, and we'll take it here in a little bit, that we get to proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes again. It's, it's, it's the, the, the declaration of the remembrance of the core of our faith. Coming around the table and saying, yes, this is for you. What about the prayers? Last one. How do prayers point us to Jesus? How does a lack of prayer move us away from Jesus? We're going to spend two months on this here starting in October, but but let's chat about it for just a sec. I think it's the culmination of all that you said about how 
Yeah. So prayer, if, if, if I'm hearing you right, what we said about fellowship, that we need each other, that we meet each other's needs, prayer is the culmination of that because it directs those same things to God. Is that what you said? Great. I wanted to make sure I wasn't misquoting you or missummarizing you. Great. What else? How does prayer point us to God, to Jesus? How does the lack of prayer neglect Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Some cause and effect see, to see God's work and know that, that at least in some, again, spiritual form, our sovereign God works through the prayers of his people. So good. Anything else? Yeah, yeah, at least if I, if I heard you right, at least kind of on the surface act together, people could do that and not need, quote unquote, the, the direct relationship with God, whereas prayer puts us squarely at the Lord's feet. Is that a fair summary? Yeah. She nodded. <laughs> Okay? And, and we have to remember, like, prayer in the first century wasn't just like the five minutes to wrap up a meeting, which it can be for, for uh, kind of our, our, our vein at times. They, they, were, they were being jailed. They were being killed and rejected. Uh, they saw miraculous healings and wonders and signs we'll get into in the next couple of weeks. And they were pursuing God's mission regularly. So we see through the New Testament, they were praying for, for those who didn't yet believe. And in all this, this ongoing prayer was part of what shaped the Christian community. And, and so again, we're going we're gonna to give this, this rest of this, this fall to, to learn to pray together, to be formed by Jesus' prayers. Because whether it's thanksgiving or praise or needs or listening, prayer is a constant reminder of our daily humility and need. And, and so together and personally, just like these other three, prayer can be a channel of life, can show us a, a glimpse of the kingdom. It helps us be with Jesus because prayer says, I can't, but God, you can. I'm reliant on you. And so there's more we could say about each of these things. Um, there's more we will say in the weeks to come, but, but, but I want to kind of turn us toward uh, wrapping up and, and taking the meal together and this kind of stuff in, in two ways. One is we are going to practice communion together in a moment. Um, but then second, let me hit the slide for me, through, the, through this month, we are going to prayerfully invite salt and light to three different commitments. And we're going to introduce them this month. And these commitments, we hope, will last through the rest of the school year, through May. And so here they are. It's a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly thing, okay? Don't get overwhelmed. We'll talk about them through the course of this month. But we're inviting salt and light to commit to a monthly intentional spiritual practice, Okay, Do, doing something. We just saw four examples of what the church devoted themselves to. I want to invite everybody to take a step into experiencing God in a way that maybe you haven't before, or maybe in a way that you're used to and, and just haven't devoted yourselves to in a little while. 
uh, a year of intentional devotion to being formed in community. And so committing to a, a, a missional DNA group and, and being here on Sundays, not because we think that filling seats is the right move, but those are kind of two sides of, of our discipleship method. Um, we teach and we learn together and we sing songs and we commune here. That's some of discipleship. And then in other forms of discipleship, we find our, 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 our missional DNAs. So a monthly intentional spiritual practice, a year of intentional devotion to community. And then, and this, this might be the, new, the newest one for many of us, but a daily intentional prayer for God to open doors that he might give us an opportunity for a weekly, we're going to call a good news conversation. So, so being able to share the good news of Jesus with someone who is a believer, who's not a believer. Um, how is the gospel good news to something that someone's going through? A lot of the reason we don't, it's not just us as a community. A lot of the reason followers of Jesus don't have good news conversations is because we're not aware that they're around us. And so a daily prayer for a weekly conversation. It's up to God whether he answers that prayer. Um, monthly spiritual practice. And that's what I want to focus us in. And we'll talk about the rest of these through the rest of this week. But, but this idea of inviting you either by yourself or with a household or with community or with your DNA to, to spiritual practice is simply to say, is there something God's calling you into that you've wanted to, to pursue, that you've asked questions about, or that you've heard other people doing that God might use to, to grow you in a new way this year? It's a monthly spiritual practice. At the end of each month, you go, okay, well, that was great. I'll, I'll try something different, or I'll, I'll keep the same. Um, if September is kind of a gear-up month for this, then October through May um, would see you devoting yourselves to you know, eight-ish spiritual practices. There's dozens of spiritual disciplines, dozens of spiritual practices to help us know Jesus and abide with Christ and be with Jesus. And, and you might think about it in the same way, like there's dozens of different ways to exercise and, and to, to, to grow uh, your, your physical health. There's dozens of ways to, to practice that grow our spiritual health. Um, we'll send some resources out. Um, there's, there's one book, if you want to go full bore, called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. Describes 75 different spiritual practices. Everything from disconnecting your phone to Sabbath to, to Bible study to hospitality to worship. But, but don't be overwhelmed by the number 75. We're, we're simply inviting, would you step into a spiritual practice for a month? Again, the goal is not legalism. It's not law. The goal is health. Again, think of exercises. Think of, think of a, a, a financial budget. Many of us operate on some form of budget. We, we intentionally plan ahead in order to spend money rightly, and yet it's a starting point that can flex. Similarly, and invite you into a monthly spiritual practice that gives you an opportunity to be intentional, to devote yourself, to use that word, ahead and experience a new tangible way of being with Jesus. So that's the invitation. It's a starting point. It's not oppression. It's not a law. So again, we'll send some resources out this week. Happy to help you consider that. Uh, even just other folks in your community have, have experienced different tangible forms of saying yes to a new spiritual practice per month. But, but, but to, to reiterate the why of this, let me hit the next slide for me real quick. This is, this is part of our church's value statement that we prayed through, that we came up with, that we started to talk about last year. But to be with Jesus means that we live all of life centered on his word, his spirit, and his kingdom. And so some of the ways that we want to do this together as a church is that first we, we pursue spiritual abiding, seeking God's kingdom first, 
and dwelling with Christ personally and together as his spirit increasingly leads us and bears fruit in our lives. Second, we pursue spiritual practices. This is what we're inviting you into, knowing and obeying God through, and I'll add things like, regular time in his word, depending on the spirit through prayer, pursuing creativity and beauty, and various forms of worship. And we've even seen a meal together can be a form of worship. And creating intentional time for things like Sabbath and reflection. And then we pursue spiritual growth. We seek holiness and repentance and forgiveness. We try to love God and each other and our neighbors and even our enemies. We view our stations in life, things like marriage and singleness and gender and job through the lens of the Bible. So this monthly commitment is simply one way to devote ourselves to this thing that we've said that as a church we value, that you as part of this church have said that you value. And so as we refocus on our vision, as we remind ourselves and as we are reminded together of who we are and what we do, all we're inviting us into is following the first century church's level of devotion. Because again, devotion is intention and it's effort and it's saying, I'm going to prioritize this thing because it really matters. So that's the first thing we're going to invite you to commit to this year to help us all together be a little bit more with Jesus. And with that, we are going to close by, by remembering the meal. We're going to take communion together. Um, and so as you pull up your, uh, your, your, your uh, communion elements, if you need them, they're on the table right inside the door. Feel free to get up and get them. Um, but we're, we're taking communion because communion, again, is, is a reminder, what is the source of our devotion to God? What's the source of our devotion to each other? The source, the motivation is, is God's first ultimate devotion to his glory and his kingdom and his ultimate devotion to us. And we see the devotion of God primarily through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. And so Salt and Light, as we ask this month who we are and what we do, we've, we've, we've considered a little bit today of the first part of what we do, but, but what we do has to be based on who we are. The church, whether first century ancient Near East or 21st century U.S. or any time or any place between, is in part a people who is shaped and formed by Jesus' death and resurrection. Is that fair? Who are we? We are in part a people who are, for, who are formed by Jesus' death and resurrection. We, we are in part a people who are under the reign of a living king. We are in part a people who are brought into his kingdom by the grace and forgiveness of God the Father, made real to us by God the Spirit, only through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. And so being with Jesus, church, is not some empty phrase or duty or just value thing that we came up with because we thought it would look cool on a website and be a little bit different in Fort Worth. Like, that's, that's, not what, that's not what we're on about. Being with Jesus is a great privilege. Being with Jesus is who we were all created to be. And being with Jesus is a whole life-shaping identity that God invites us to accept. It's true for anyone whose faith and trust and goal and devotion is to know Jesus, receive his forgiveness by the resurrection power of the Spirit, and to seek first the kingdom of God. That's why we want to be with Jesus. And so as we take the bread, we're reminded that how can we be with Jesus? It's because he first devoted himself to us. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body 
broken for you. And if you want to break this little wafer and that's meaningful to you, then break it and be reminded of the broken body of Jesus for you. Let's take and eat. And then that same night, Jesus took the cup and said, this is my blood poured out for you, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And the blood of Jesus remembered through the wine or the juice is, is a proclamation of, of the power that runs through us, the, the, the family identity that we have in Christ. We are covered by his blood. When the Father looks at us, he doesn't see folks who are trapped in sin. He sees folks who are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We get to be with Jesus because he first sacrificed himself to be with us. Take and drink. Father God, we thank you that your devotion is the only right motivation for our devotion. We thank you that you were first good to us. We thank you that you first came to us. We thank you that you first were broken and became the meal that we celebrate. We thank you that you brought us back to God. We thank you that the idea of being with you didn't come from us, but came from you. And I pray that you would work in us, even help us battle the, the, the what ifs or the yeah buts um, that can fill our minds and the priorities that seem to pull us away from you. God, would you cause us each together, personally, to be with you a little bit more and help us devote ourselves to whatever it is that you would call us to this month and this year. We need your spirit to lead us in that. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.